Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with theater's biggest names and now part of the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode you're about to listen to is the first of many episodes that will kick off a Moulin Rouge takeover for the month of February. Love month, so what better show to have gracing your eardrums than, of course, all the cast and a few creatives from Moulin Rouge. So, Tamutu plays the Duke, the bad guy. I really liked my conversation with him. We got into, basically, how he made the Duke real. Nothing against Richard Roxburgh, who played the role in the film, but the, the way that that Tam plays it is very real, very sinister, whereas in the movie it was a little bit comical, a little bit like a, a, a caricature. So the way that he plays the Duke in the musical, there is a moment when you're like, hey, is Satine actually going to pick the Duke over Christian? This is really weird. But along with all of that, we get into the horror that was the scandal of Rebecca. He was originally cast in Rebecca back in 2011 that was supposed to be his Broadway debut, and you can Google the hell out of that because that's a story of scandal and the FBI got involved and blah, blah, blah. We talked about that. He comes from the West End. Believe it or not, he actually is British. <laughs> he was saying that uh, at the stage door, people were saying that uh, they were surprised he was actually British because he does the British accent in the show, and he was like, um, yeah, of course. <laughs> but... He was a jock growing up, decided just to get into acting, where he just seemed to find his place. He found his tribe, and the, the story is it was very great. It was very natural. So before we get into it, as always, please visit me online at thetheaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe at theater underscore podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Please leave a rating, leave a review, tell your friend. And now everyone enjoy this episode with Tam Mutu. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Here you go. One, two, three. You may recognize my guest today from his TV appearances on The Walking Dead, Blue Bloods, and Sherlock, or for being on stage in Dr. Zhivago on Broadway and Love Never Dies in London. Now playing the Duke in the smash Broadway hit Moulin Rouge the Musical, Tam Mutu, welcome to the theater podcast. Hello, thank you very much for having me. I love that accent. Thank you very much. It's it's, it's fake. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, is your Duke accent a real accent? But no, I it's haven't just asked that, actually. After the show, people are like, oh, you are British. Actually, even someone came once and said, well, he's not British. They said that to Danny Burstein after the show. 
You're like, you, no, he is British. No, no, he's not. I'm British. He's not British. I swear <laughs> to God, that's the thing. Like, so, okay. They so, thought your accent was, yeah, was, just phony. was so bad. It so was, bad. It was, yeah. Oh, hey. that, okay. Well, so your name, Tam Mutu, what yeah. is the, the heritage? Where's the origin of the family name? So Mutu is a Turkish name. Um, Tam is uh, also white Turkish name. So um, it's uh, my, my dad was fully Turkish. My mom's Italian, Irish. And interesting that you brought this up because I literally did my um, ancestry recently. Oh, know? really? Yeah, I did. I just thought, let's have a look and see what it's, you know. And um, you'd think, which is kind of interesting about it, you think that because my dad was, obviously you think it's half and half, you know, you half your parents. So you think you'd be predominantly Turkish because, you know, my dad was, you know, fully Turkish, my mom's Italian-Irish. Mm-hmm. But that's not, apparently not how it works. So um, my percentages... <laughs> Genetics are funny. Yeah, I was like, wow, that's kind of fascinating. But you, you, I don't know why you'd think that, but that's just maybe just a, a logical way of looking at it. But it turned out that my percentages were 60% Italian and then 20% Irish, Scottish, and then 13%... Turkish was after that, and then there's wow. a few others like them. But had a little Persian and other like sort of Asian sort of side. So yeah, it's kind of random. But yeah, but it's a Turkish name. But why? Yeah, weird, right? So you kind of think because I remember growing up at school, like everyone used to call me you know, improper names re- referring to my Turkish background. But like the irony is actually, you know, I'm more Italian, so it's kind of <laughs> just different. I was kind of like, oh, okay, that's kind of fun. I thought I thought Mutu was Japanese. There is a lot. I do get a lot of that. I get that, and I also get um, Kiwi as well. People think I'm, mm. there's a sort of a Kiwi element into it, but no, it's kind of yeah, Turkish Turkish name. All right. So tell me about where you grew up. You're British, right? So you grew up in in the UK somewhere. I, I grew up in a little town called in a little uh, fishing village called Hastings. What it was back in the day, uh, which is not far from Brighton which is quite popular with um, the royals. Um, it's about an hour and a half away from London, southeast coast, right on the water. Are you, are you upset with all this royal business with them? Like, what does what Harry and, and yeah. Meghan mean? Like, no, we're just, we're just done now. I don't know. I just kind of, I try not to get into it, to be honest, because the thing that I would say was, you know, each to their own, I guess, but it's it's difficult when you've been... I don't know, I don't want to get political now. It's kind of difficult. <laughs> they, I find it difficult to sort of, you know, when you've been sort of funded by taxpayers to then go, oh, we just want to do our own thing now. But it's like, well, you've been, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a funny line. We'll, 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 we'll steer away from that because that could, that could be a whole podcast in itself. Well, yeah. Okay. So it's like, all right, I hear you. I think I it's messy. You. I think it's a messy situation. I don't think... Um, Obviously, being here, I'm a sort of out of it, and you get both sides. I sort of get both sides from my family back home, and then people here. So, I don't know what I really think. It's they're still human beings at the end of the day. Well, they but, want their privacy. Yeah, I get yeah. that. I, I get, get yeah, that. I get it too. I mean, when you're like second or third or whatever they are in line, you know, excuse my American ignorance. I don't know when he would be prince, pre- president, prince, president. President King. Prince, President King. King. President King. Yeah. He's like, ah, eh, just screw it. You know, whatever. But anyway, back to Broadway. Uh, or back to you, rather. Um, what was your what was your childhood like in the UK? Like, did you perform? Were you a, a singer dancer? No, not at all. I was very much um, what you guys would call a jock. I played a lot of sports, mainly um, football, which is your soccer. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I got to quite a high level um, and didn't actually start doing any performing, well, proper performing, I'd say, which is until I was about 16, 17, I don't think, around then. And uh, that was kind of like the equivalent of like a, a summer stock sort of uh, what we call amateur dramatics, which is, you know, you do a, a musical and uh, go along and all these people of various ages come along for their time off on the weekends and mm-hmm. then you do a show in a, um, in a, at a later date. Uh, it was kind of random, really. A friends, friends of mine just dragged me along one time to like an open call because they were looking, I think back, back, back at that time and there, there was a mass shortage of boys to do sort of musicals. So you'd find a lot of girls playing boy parts. So it was, you know, me being a guy going in there, quite jockey, and I think they were quite surprised. So, and then after that, I, I did one, and then I did, I think my first show was Half a Sixpence, which probably no one's ever heard of. Um, and then it went on, and I think I did Barnum and... My Fair Lady. And but what made you decide to, to cross over? I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's like I, I, people ask me that. I kind of had fun doing it. I mean, sports was my life for a, a significant amount of time. And then um, I kind of got a little bit disillusioned with it all. And this was much, I wouldn't say much more fun, but it was, it was fun in a different way. So I kind of found um, it was different people, you know, there were like older people there, girls there. I mean, I was just used to being around boys in shorts, mm. do you know what I mean? It's kind of, uh, after a while, that can get a bit tiring, I think. Um, and I just found it interesting and so alien to what I'd been used to. Um, my school as well, we had like a sort of choir, which I could, you know, we everyone had to sing hymns in the morning. Um, so I kind of like did a little bit of singing. I didn't realize I could sing maybe as well as I could have. Um, so that was kind of a, another find as well. And, and then I literally just kept going and going and going. And, and before I knew it, I was auditioning for drama school and then I was in drama school and then I was graduating from drama drama school to go and do shows in the West End. It was crazy. I always like sort of give the analogy of like, I literally stepped on a train, excuse me, knocking the mic, um, and, uh, have never got off. It's literally been one of those. Because I'm not one of those people that can say, oh, I've always wanted to be a, an actor or, you know, a lovey darling. I haven't at all. Never, never, never. So it's kind of um, wonderful in a sense. And so your your parents, I mean, were they, were they understanding or was, you know, I'm trying to like kind of pick apart maybe a stereotype that, uh, that, that I suffered from, which was that I loved singing, singing, dancing, dancing. And then all of a sudden I get to my high school years when I'm impressionable and then all of a sudden it's like in a small town in North Carolina where people may not be as open-minded as they are in other places I got made fun of and my parents didn't help me really right um but like they anyway like you see what I'm trying to say was it was it an easy transition just to be like I'm going from from soccer and you know <gasps> sports over to Something very different. To something very different, yes. Um, I wouldn't say it was easy because I was still, to start off with, I was still very much playing sports alongside it, which was difficult. And then obviously your your teammates find out and then the opposition teammates find out. And then it's like, you know, because I played for various teams and sometimes you'd, you know, you'd go on long, obviously long journeys, coach rides and all the rest of it. And there would be a lot of ribbing going on. And... um, jokes at my expense but I, I just kind of like i had friends other friends i think what happened was as i got a bit older into like my late teens my my pool of friends sort of um evolved uh 
and I, uh, there were more sort of artistic people came into my life. Um, some of my best friends are actually all brothers, actually, um, from England and Hastings. And they, they kind of like opened my eyes a bit into other things. One of them is very much into movies and, and sort of creative, like that sort of thing. And one of them is an artist. Another one is like a performer. So to be around that, that sort of group of people maybe sort of like open my eyes a bit more other than to just, you know, a sports life. As far as my parents were concerned, um, I think my dad found it slightly odd. Um, my mum has always been supportive. Um, I think she just in, enjoyed the show. She's always liked musicals anyway. So it was kind of, I don't know, it was kind of like just, you know, I just did it and then people just sort of grew to accept it, I think. Well, then when when was your your West End debut? I literally um, left drama school a little early because I auditioned for Les Mis. We actually had a, a resident director from Les Mis came and um, uh, directed our third year first show in my in my final year of, of drama school. He came and directed the show, and then he said to the, I think we did, we did closer than ever. I think. And there were four of us, and he asked us all to come on audition for Les Mis, just as experience and all the rest of it. Well, none of us thought we'd get in, but um, <clears throat> ironically, three of us actually got in, and we all left drama school early, um, which was great, but also, you know, has its own, you know, I would, I would generally say finish your course, but um, at that time, it was difficult to say no. So um, that was 2001, I think I went straight into that. So you were, okay, so 2001, you were in the UK doing West End shows mm -hmm. for a while. And then if I have my timeline right, 2011 was supposed to be your Broadway debut. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you made a face. The, the, the infamous. <laughs> the infamous Rebecca. Yes. Yes, that was supposed to be. I think I was doing, um, I was doing chess in Toronto at the time. And I got a call say they wanted to audition for Rebecca, me to come in for Rebecca, for Michael Blakemore and the team. And and uh, I was like, okay. So I flew in, did my thing, you know, and learned all the material and had the audition and, and it all went rather well. And then I flew, after I finished chess, I flew back to England and I think I was literally packing up my flat, my apartment. And that day, then I got a call from my agent that day. Literally, I think we'd, we'd packed three quarters of my apartment. I'm not kidding. So I was surrounded by boxes. And then I got a call from my agent <laughs> saying, uh, it's being postponed. Um, and uh, yeah, the rest is kind of like, you know, all on the, all on the internet. Uh, it was, yeah, it was, oh, it was, it was pretty shabby. It was pretty shabby, shambolic all around, really. Well, um, and yeah, you guys, you guys... We had the marquee up and everything. So it was kind of like... Yeah, you were strung along for so long. And then at some point, like you and Sierra Bargas quit, left. I mean, like... You were, yeah, because yeah. they couldn't, like, you know, they kept saying, oh, we're going to get, we're going to get it organized. And, and, and then it never sort of materialized. But then when we, we sort of stepped aside and I went and I think I ended up, I think I ended up then going back into, ironically, back into, I think it was back into Les Mis, actually, as Javert. And... Um, then I saw that it, they uh, they'd cast it again with other people. I think it was Paige, something Paige, Claire Page, is it? I forget her name. And um, Ryan Silverman. And then they went through it all as well. And I felt so sorry for them as well because, uh, you know, obviously they pulled the plug on them as well. Yeah. 
shocking. I mean, I mean, it happens, but I mean, not maybe not in that sort of what was that going drastically. Through, but. Yeah, what was going through your head at this point? I mean, because you were excited, you think you're going to make your Broadway debut, and then the rug gets pulled out from under you. Like, were, were you okay? Because it sounds like you went on, you went back into Les Mis. Uh, yeah, it was. I don't know. It was so surreal. It's like. I'm always I'm always one of those people. That's, you know, people may sometimes think I'm a bit more cynical or a bit more. I don't show mass emotion all the time, especially even when I get get jobs, because I kind of sit on the fence of like until I'm actually doing it, I don't believe it. It's kind of like when um, a sports team sign a player and they, there's all this mass media furor about it, and then and I literally say I don't believe it until he's holding up the shirt or wearing the shirt, running around the field, right? Whatever, any team, right? So. And that's my, my that's how I I kind of am because people always say oh aren't you excited and like they because you know people want to want to sort of um, feel good and make you feel like you know congratulate you and all these things but I just I don't know I'm just a bit more reserved with all that sort of stuff so like once, it, once it, it, twice it, it surprised me kind of thing but then it didn't surprise me because I know this business is is pretty brutal at the best of times so it taught me a lot you know you just kind of go okay. And I think after that, actually, I probably became more, you know, reserved with things because you just have to, you sort of have to protect yourself as well. So then, so then Dr. Zhivago was your debut in 2015. Then. Yes. Okay. All right. So we get there. Everything's good. 2019, last year, Moulin Rouge, the musical. My God. Okay. So I was reading, you almost didn't audition for this show. Yeah, that's true. I had, um, I think I had, I had got two auditions at the same time. I think it was Pretty Woman. And um, and Moulin Rouge, and obviously they were both, you know, going to be, you know, you thought going to be mass hits and successful. And I know Jerry, obviously, from working with him on Love Never Dies, Jerry Mitchell was mm-hmm. the director of Pretty Woman, and he'd spoken to me about coming in, and um, and I kind of just just from like the basis of what the films were and what I thought they were going to try and do, I thought, well. The Pretty Woman is a better fit for me because, you know, just character-wise. So I said to my agent, I, I read the Moulin Rouge, what they'd sent at the time. And it's evolved mass- massively since then. But at the time, I was like, oh, I don't know about this. I just think it's, it's I kind of got the feeling they didn't really know what where they wanted the character to go. It was kind of like the movie still, but it wasn't. It was, I didn't think it was, I didn't think it, it knew what it was yet. And... So I just said, I just don't, I'm not feeling that. I don't think I'm going to go in for that. And um, I think I sent an email actually. So I was too chicken to say I'm not going in. And then <laughs> literally, I think literally within minutes, I got a phone call from Kirk. He was like, you're going in. Who's Kirk? Your agent? Yeah. He was like, you're going in. And, and there's nothing else to say on the matter. I was like, fine, fine. So I went in and I met the team and everyone was very lovely. And um, I think this, this was originally for the lab, which was downtown because we've been doing this since 1964 now, I think, this show. <laughs> um, since before you were yeah, born, you were, uh, you were auditioning. It was, um, yeah, it was for the lab down downtown. Um, and uh, yeah, and the rest is kind of history. It kind of went very well, obviously. And uh, the part evolved into like, what it is today. And uh, it's, you know, it was a, a good decision on behalf of my agent, not myself. Well, the, the original role... Uh, from the movie played by Richard Roxburgh, uh, he's kind of he's kind of a caricature, right? Like he's a bad guy, but he's sort of this comical caricature, which I like 
the way that you play the character is like like more sinister right right yeah well that was because i loved richard's performance as well and i and you know and if if it was going to be exactly like the movie then chances are i I wouldn't have been cast so um because he is more buffoony and more it's like you could say it's more caricature but he does it so well Uh, but you always got the feeling that he would never ever be like a viable option for Satine, that would that you know she. I don't think she would ever choose him in a million years. Mm-hmm. And the team were very much on board with trying to create this triangle, love triangle between Christian, Satine, and the Duke, to sort of like so he actually would be something that was a viable option in terms of whether it be even though it's more financial, but like actually there was more to him than just money. Mm-hmm. Like you know he was charming, he was you know meant to be good looking not saying that i am um, uh, but you know all those you know all those other things which people sort of you know look for um christian sort of you know, sweeps off her feet with his like you know innocence and in a different way so uh, there's you know there's supposed to be massive um uh you know you know polar opposites in a sense between the two characters but then with satine in the middle so when i found out that when we started to evolve the piece and it became more you know he became slightly I, what I like about it is I get to play all these different sort of um, sort of characteristics of him. So this still honors the movie to a spit, to to an extent where there's some buffoonerism in it, even if that is a word. Um, uh, but uh, more so, you know, then I get the flavors of like you know fun, uh, you know, charming, like you know, and then the sinister stuff sort of kicks in in the second half, which is great because then it, you know it, the character is it's, it's it's more enriching. I think it's more fun to play. Well, working with with Alex Timbers, the director, uh, how much, how how much of the character evolution, I guess the final product that what we see on on stage now, how much of it was him kind of guiding you, or was were you coming to him with like you know I don't want to be this comical buffoon, I want to really play him like a real, you know I'm I'm kind of thinking like Gene Hackman. Yeah, <laughs> well, 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 the team was so good with that though. That's why with John, the book writer, and Justin and Alex. Um, Justin's a musical, musical dude, and and Alex obviously the director, and um, the team were really good because obviously from the first lab, I think my song choices, even that you know, it makes a massive difference between to, to, to how the character is seen. So I've gone from like the potential of singing like George Michael songs, which we did in the lab, like Faith and Father Figure and things like that, which has now evolved into like Rolling Stones and like, mm-hmm. you know, Sympathy for the Duke and. And yeah, sympathy for the devil, but sympathy for the Duke is the song on the show. And um, what was wonderful about it, Alex would always ask and say, "If you have ideas, you know." And you know, we we it was very much an open sort of book of like, you know, what felt right. Where do we think this character was going? Um, what was um, relevant? What we were, you know, what was going to make the 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 arc of the character more interesting and i think they were very open to all of that so there were times when you know things were were cut which we thought shouldn't be cut and when things were in there and i i think that one of the main things i said was the the song choices were 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 the things i had a, a major issue with because it just didn't fit with what we were trying to do i think it fit more with like the movie version of him mm-hmm so when Justin came back and said, okay, we've, this is the new, we're doing a new Rolling Stones medley, I was like, well, hello, what more could you ask for, really? Right. Uh, yeah, well, Sympathy for the Duke, yeah, it's a mashup of three Rolling Stones songs, yeah. right? Sympathy for the Devil, You Can't Always Get What You Want, and, and Give Me Shelter is, 
and then you also get to sing Rihanna's "Only Girl, Only Girl in the World." Yeah, which is which has always been that. Which is, but it's always been a good, uh, good. Um, it's a good song choice because it's it's interesting. It's always, it's always interesting to sing a girl's song as well. But from that perspective of the darkness of him, and when it starts to become a bit sinister in the second half, um, and the manipulation of Satine and the club owners and all the rest of it, it's a good. It's a good. Uh, it's a good one to have in there because it's fun as well. It's kind of like that kind of twisted fun. Which one's your favorite? Do you have a favorite? Oh, it varies actually. I do still really enjoy um, singing the Rihanna. So it's fun, but it's, I guess I have, I'd say "Sympathy for the Duke" is probably the fun, fun song. Probably. Do you do you get audience feedback in the middle of the show, or do you see more at the stage door? Um, mostly i don't know a bit of both i guess but during the show it happens we will say and when we were in boston it was kind of um a shock to the system when we started uh, to hear people's reactions to what we were singing because obviously they're going to have their own sort of history with each song that we you know we sang and and you kind of can hear the shock value of what they're hearing and what they're experiencing and obviously, we're just trying to tell a story through that song. But to other to people in the audience, it's obviously it's going to have a different sort of um, relevance to them and mm-hmm. and part of their lives or whatever, however you want to put it. Um, but it was shocking at first. But as it as we got used to it, it was it's kind of um, you kind of expect it now, and it's fun to hear. I mean, do you, do you hear people talking to you or at you? What? One, you're leaving stage. Or oh, whatever. I have had that. Yeah, yeah. I've had. Yeah, I've had, I get the odd hiss, but then the the most famous one was when I was um, uh, was in Boston again, and someone, as I was leaving the stage, someone shouted, "You suck!" <laughs> I was like, I was so taken aback. I remember stopping. It stopped me in my tracks, and I literally looked out and forgot I was on stage for a second. I was like, "Is it me, or is it the character, or both, or?" And then left with my tail between my legs, but. It was kind of funny in the moment. I was so shocked, but it was so loud as well. Um, yeah, you suck. You, you can't really beat that, I don't think. But I do get the hisses, like you know, the odd hiss, and I think people think they're watching a pantomime in England. Well, it's with with just the the high energy. I mean, gosh, the choreography too, and the singing, the arrangement, like everything. You walk in, and it's just you're in this atmosphere. The the house looks like so much of what I I've never been inside the Moulin Rouge myself but like from what I remember from the movie you've got the elephant and you've got the right. windmill and you've got it's just the whole house was transformed yeah, so it's it not just like oh a proscenium but it's in there In and I get the feeling that some people think it's or get the perception it's more like a rock concert than than a Broadway show yeah yeah I think yeah I, I, I can see why I'd say that because it, it's so immersive all yeah. of it and even when you come in you've got some um, you know, the pre-show with everybody, you know, in there and it's surreal and it's sexy and cool and the colors are so vibrant and warm and it's, I can see why people, people sort of lose their minds because I think, I, I personally think that set's the most beautiful set I've ever seen, but um, uh, it's, it, rock concert, yeah, you can see that. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, some Saturday nights are like, like wild. I mean, literally, we had one a couple of weeks ago, which was just unbelievable. People do want to sing along as well. We do get that, and you just sort of try and have to block it out. But you know, you but you don't want them to not do that either. You want them to have a good time because that's the whole point of it, right? So it's unless they're standing up in the aisles and going crazy, don't no, they don't do that. 
it's not we've not had that much so much but they do they do go they do get very vocal hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price price line judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. At, at the stage door, uh, do people have a hard time? I guess maybe in general, if people run into you in the street, or, is there a hard time separating the, the Duke from, from the Tam? You know, like, do they think, because you're, you're sitting here, you're smiling, you're cheerful, you're friendly, like, you're not a bad guy. Uh, no, I, I, I don't think so. I think half the time at Stage Door, to be fair, <clears throat> excuse me, um, a lot of, there's another guy in the show called Max Clayton, who I adore, mm-hmm. and um, he goes out, and a lot of the time they think he's me, so he literally signs <laughs> a lot of things, and they just say, oh, we loved your performance, you're so good, and he says, oh, thank you very much. He tells me about it every day, I'm like, for goodness sake, Max. Um, but he thinks it's funny. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to give a little shout out there. Uh, uh, generally, people at Stage Door are, are, are nice and um, they like what uh, the the version we've sort of put across it is. They do like that. Some people are surprised that I actually am British, which is kind of funny. But um, <laughs> uh, but overall, no, I try. You know, I try and be. I am kind of I'm kind of chill with stuff like that. I've always like you know you go and just you know say hello to everybody at stage door if you can and if you have, and you know I, I kind of don't take it that seriously either. You know like it's you know I try and just be respectful with everybody and you know give you know it's nice that they've come backstage or well, not backstage but to the door to give their time. So you just you know try and smile and be polite rather than you know shout at them get out get out of my way get out of my way i'm, I'm go tired yeah. i'm tired yeah <laughs> be a bit more duke like just throw money at them and walk off i think we're we're used to <laughs> get out of here we're used to hearing so many american actors i think doing british accents that when we hear a real british actor we're like oh that doesn't sound right yeah well you know there's things that with england there's so many variants to it though there's so many dialects and stuff so you can you've got to be you know i mean i've heard some brilliant uh, americans do a, a British accents, and I've heard some some real whoppers, you know, real shocking, shocking ones. But you know, it's good. But it, it depends on what they're doing as well, because there are some really hard ones to do, like some of the dialects in England. Even I, I can't do them. Do you do a good American accent? Yeah. Do can, everyone could do like cowboy. I, you yeah. know, I I try to do. You know, you know. It's but again, it's practice. You have to. People just think you can just do these things, but you know, you have to practice. I, I you know, I don't find it anything overly easy i just you know especially when you've been speaking your own accent for a while because the more majority of musical theater things you do are generally american anyway mm-hmm. um so to then come and do something where i'm actually british is kind of rare but it's, it's fun so then when i have to switch back and do american accents for you know 
auditions or TVs or whatever. It's you know you have to work. I have to work. Are you still but, are you auditioning a lot now? Like like you're in this show that obviously is going to run for a while. Not a lot because um, obviously we're, you know we're, we're still there till you know the, till the season's up. So but I mean it depends what comes you know what comes in and and televisions and things like that. You know if they're mm-hmm. like guest roles and things like that. We you know majority of us can do. But anything that's sort of nothing significant enough to take us away from the show at this moment. Does, so that, there for a while. does that stress you out to to like be in a show but always having to be looking for your next job? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't, I don't know any actor that isn't always nervous about work. Um, it's just part of the game, I think. Um, it's kind of rare when you get these shows as well, which is, you know, so successful very quickly and, you know, you know that you're in something which is going to run for a bit. So it's, it's always that, uh, you know, that, um, that tricky sort of decision you sort of make like when's the right time to step away from something as well that's always hard mm-hmm. i think uh because obviously you know when you're in something successful there are a lot of eyes on you and people want you to go and do their things but it doesn't necessarily mean that's the right move or right fit for you at that sort of time so i mean i think of some of the hamilton people that you know that when they i think they literally just won all the awards and then literally most of them had left, you know, by the time, you know, this, the uh, straight after Tony's, mm-hmm. which to me seemed a bit kind of sad uh, because, you know, you wanted to see all their great work. I mean, I was lucky enough to see them, but it's it's a tricky one. I think, you know, how long's too long in something? You know, some people stay in shows. I know friends who've stayed in shows for four, five, six and been very happy doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, you know, if things come in that you're interested in and you want to do, then you have to sort of weigh up the pros and cons of everything so tricky well what was the the longest time you were unemployed do you remember i mean because you, you kind of you have the benefit of i believe being able to go back to west end and you've right. got a, a career out there and you've got your name out here you've got a career out here as well so are you i mean now is it it must be easier now to find work than it was 10 years ago but i don't know i think i think it's kind of evolved so because as you get older you kind of go into different sort of categories you know because it's and, you know, the pool of talent is so huge. There's so many people that are super talented and there's always someone newer or fresher or, or, you know, that's not saturated the market so much. So people, you know, people like seeing new people as well. I mean, not to say they don't like seeing, you know, experienced people who've done a lot. It's, you always have to be on top of your game. Um, and I'd say... I wouldn't say it's easier. I don't think it's ever easier. I think it's just whether... I do think you still need a lot of luck and I think you need to be dedicated and I also think you sort of have to follow your heart a little bit as well uh, with um, your choices and be happy with your choices because, for example, you know, if you if you want to be in a show, you know, that is an eight, eight, eight shows a week, you know, schedule which is going to take you out of a lot of other things but that's... This, you know the sacrifice you mm-hmm. make um and the pros of that are like you know you're in steady work and you're there for a significant amount of time and uh yeah you know but like then the next well, you know you can argue most actors like always want to be doing new things like consistently working on different projects but it doesn't always work that way and um and if that's what you want to do then you have to be happy with that and then be prepared to be you know free and out of work at times 
which is also scary, especially in a city like, you know, this city is an expensive city to live in. Absolutely. And London's not cheap either. So, you know, it, it's not as LA, but um, it's, you know, it's, it's all a juggling act, I think. I don't think there's ever any right or wrong. And I do think you need luck and to be, you know, one thing I'm always trying to do is be kind to myself, which I find really hard because I'm really hard on myself. But trying to be kinder to myself with decisions and with what I'm doing and to try and be more present, which is really hard in this day and age because you find everyone's always on their phones or like scattered brains, you know, everywhere. Mm -hmm. And to actually just be present in the moment with what you're doing is really, 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 really hard. So, and to be happy with that. It's like kind of a lesson in a sense. I mean, not that I want to be preachy, but, you know, I find it really, really hard to do that because there's always something. When you're in a city like this with you know, not just the musical theatre, but the TV industry here and everything. There's always something going on. There's always a new show coming up. There's always another, you know, pool to be in, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's what you're, it's teaching yourself and like, uh, you know, being kind to yourself and saying, hey, I'm doing this right now. I'm going to give this my all. And when I'm ready, I'll do, you know, just trusting that there's going to be another door. Because, you know, there's always another door. It just might not be exactly line up with how you want it to. I guess, are you a person that needs to be kind of moving around at a, at a quicker pace or can you settle into something and feel happy with it? Because my, my mom used to tell me I have spilkies, which is, I think, Yiddish for pins and needles. Like I can't sit still. No, I'm a fidget. I'm an absolute fidget. I literally can't sit still. In And and I'm like that with work as well. I can get um, fidgety in work, you know, if I'm in something for which, you know, which is uh, unless I feel fulfilled. I think it's when you're not feeling fulfilled. But again, that goes back to like, what's, what are your, what's your, what do you need? You know, what do you need to fulfill you? So uh, I think it's, it's all lessons. They are because it's as you, especially as you get older, you kind of um, learn to appreciate things more or have to appreciate things more and, um, and make sacrifices because not everything is perfect. And Ultimately, the person, the only thing you do is end up getting frustrated with yourself because, oh, I could be doing this or I could be doing that. Well, well, nothing's ever good enough. Nothing's ever good enough. So the grass is always greener. And I, I don't think it is. It's just like, so you just have to try and learn to go, hey, I'm doing this. This is great. Um, and I'm, you know, and try and enjoy what you're doing. And I, that's what I've been working hard to do and, and sort of, uh, you know, which is a challenge, but I, you know, I'm, I'm learning. It's maybe slower than most. Like. <laughs> so I was going to ask if that's, if that's like a re- a recent thing to, to be okay, just sitting where you are or. I mean, yeah, it is because like, you know, how often do you get to like be in a, in a, a hit show? You know, you like the, some of them it's, you know, I, I, and I, and I speak from experience, you know, I've, I've been in one that didn't even make curtain and I've been in one that's died after two weeks and um, the rest have been, you know, had some wonderful jobs. And but you learn from those. And then when you get something which is an instant hit, uh, and people respond to it and love it, and it's going to go around the world and do very well, and you're the original person, yeah. You know, what's not to love about that? It's you know, some that's a that's something to cherish always. And to be working with the people and the team that I've worked with, I'm very very grateful. And I think you need to remember that as well. Because success is, is it's, it's, a, it's a double-edged sword because like I said, you know, you, you then go on that train where like there's always something else and people want you for something else. And, 
but you, you sort of lose sight of what's sort of got you there very, mm -hmm. very quickly. You can very quickly sort of forget yourself. So uh, that to me is like I'm sort of like I have been learning or working on. And, um, and, you know, I'm just, I am, I'm grateful for what I'm doing and I love my job and I hope that sort of resonates with people when they see it, but you know, it's, you know, not to say that it's easy cause it isn't, nothing's easy. You have to work at it and it's, you know, eight shows a week is a grind, but, um, it's, you know, it's, you know, try and look on the bright side of things cause it could be, you know, you could be out of work could be sitting there twiddling your thumbs. You could have a cast you don't like either. The cast, well, that's another thing. The cast you know? seems incredible. I mean, you could be in the best job ever and there'd be like a horrible cast around you and you're like, oh, well, I can't wait to leave this because it's, you know, it's not a pleasant place to work. And luckily, all my cast are awful. So, <laughs> um, so you're the role model. Yeah. No, I mean, my cast is wonderful. You know, I'm, you know they, the team did really well. They picked a, a group of people that get on well. They work well together. And... Uh, and that's, you know, I think that shows. I think you can tell. Oh, yeah. No, the, the watching everybody on stage is, is such a treat. And the energy, I mean, once the train pulls out of the station, oh, yeah. it just doesn't stop. Right. Like, the choreography and the music, the arrangements. I mean, literally millions spent on licensing. How many right. songs are, are in the show? Over, over 70. 70. Oh, yeah, over 70 songs. And that's all the ones that made it. I mean, we had like so many that didn't make it like you know some great stuff that didn't get you know we sadly we couldn't get and, and things that changed or things that weren't right and it's i mean justin's like a catalog in himself of musical brilliance it's it's been it's been a like you know one of those things as well with musicals that people just think oh there's a musical coming on it's done but this has been like so long in the making and like the time and the energy and the money and mm -hmm. that goes into it just to, to sort of get to this final stage and this product that we, well, you know, say product, but like this production. The presentation. So, yeah, that we have has been, you know, a lot of work and a lot of people's time and energy. And there have been things which, you know, they've had to iron out and, and be ruthless with. I mean, there was another song I loved in the show which didn't make it, um, Shake It Out, which the, the Lady M sang with Ziedler and, hmm. and Satine. It was so good. But do you, it, you know, got cut. Do know? the 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 original artists like Rihanna, Rolling Stones, and you know, all these people have they come to see? We've the had show? a few, but not as many yeah. as we'd like, actually. So really? if you're listening in to on me on this podcast, please, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Rihanna, come see the show. Don't be lazy. Uh, uh, you know, Rolling Stones, come along. Now we've had a few, but I'm tr trying to think who came. Um, not as many as we'd like. Not as many as we'd like. That was actually a question from uh, one of my patrons. I have a Patreon account. They can submit their questions of who is your favorite celebrity who's come to see the show. Ooh, we've had some great celebrities come. Um, we had Hillary Clinton came the other week. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah, she was great with her daughter, Chelsea. And I think there was someone else, but I couldn't see who it was. I'm one of these people that doesn't like to know when people are in. But then literally I get up after my, my entrance. I get up to the booth with the girls and literally they're like, such and such is in. Because they've been scouring the floor. Because like when they do the opening, they're mm -hmm. like, "I'm like, for God's sake!" Um, but because uh, <laughs> I just don't like to know. I don't, I, I'm always I'm one of these people. I get you know, I'm nervous enough as it is. I don't need to be more nervous because you know, uh, Jessica Lang's in or something. You know, which she was. She was great. Uh, who else came that I was a bit starstruck? Jessica Lang did like knock me for six a little bit. Uh, she came with Sarah Paulson, the pair of them. Oh wow! They had a great time. Amy Adams came. Drew Barrymore was lovely. She was so sweet. She loved it. 
Yeah. It's been uh, a few. Do you get you still get nervous before you go out? I'm nervous every day. Really? Yeah. That's just my. I'm a little bit like that in nature anyway, because that's the fidget inside me. Kind of. I, I think I care. I care a lot about what I do. Um, um, people think I'm crazy. I think, but uh, <laughs> uh, no, I do. I, I do always get. Um, I, I always put it down as like when I've done when I finish my show every night. I'm always sort of proud of myself. And that's not to sound like I made it. Yeah, but no, it is a little, there is an element of that. It's like, you know, you great job you got through, you know, another show. It's kind of there's a sense of uh, achievement with that. Um I don't take any show lightly, you know. Uh I've always been that way. I've always like gone out there and tried, you know, to be as focused as I can and because, you know, it matters to me and um and, you know, obviously the public coming to see it, you know, they've not seen it before. You don't know that they've seen it before and it's their first experience. So you want to give them the best experience that you can. So, you know, if I'm not laser focused, then, you know, I don't want to give them a wishy-washy sort of performance. So I'm always like that. I do care about my show. But, yeah, I do. I've always been, I've always been nervy. Always. It gets better when I go out. It's usually the pre, the pre, pre stuff. Yeah. Waiting around. Yeah, yeah. When you start getting in your own head, and mm. I've, I've been the same way. Like when, back in my performing days, it was you know the waiting, the going, you know, wait, like am I going to miss my cue, miss my cue? And then as soon as you're out there, it's fine. The lights hit you. You're like, all right, here I am. Here's my element. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I w- I would be the same way too if it was like I don't I don't need to know that Obama that Michelle or Barack are out there. No, like I'm gonna, I want right. to give the same hundred percent. I know some people thrive off that. Yeah. They love it. They think oh, I'm like I can't know because I just like all you do is then start thinking about you you're straight away out of your head and thinking about. You know Barack Obama staring at you. It's like, why? Well, I don't need that. Thank you. Yeah. I don't need that pressure. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, but at the end of the day, it's kind of a double-edged sword because you want to you want to like you, but at the end of the day, like it doesn't matter. No, ultimately, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like no, you. you're right. It doesn't matter. It's like it's you know it's still the show. You know you want to do you you know you've got to get from A to Z. It's the same thing. I mean, if you do your job, people are not going to like you because the Duke should not be liked. Oh, I don't know yeah. though. A lot yeah. of people are like, oh, I don't know why she picks Christian. <laughs> I'm like, really? You do realize that, you know, I'm quite dark in the second half. They're like, yeah, but I don't know. There's something about that Duke. I'm like, wow. It says a lot about people, I People think. like a bad boy. Yeah. It <laughs> says a lot about people. All right. Well, uh, let's wrap this up here. And there are three standard closing questions that okay. I ask everybody on the podcast. The first one is very simply, what motivates you? Um, what motivates me? Oh, to always, to always try and be better than I am, I think, um, to keep learning, uh, not take things for granted. I think that's my overall motivation. Like, and I, and I, and I take that into my like personal life as well, you know, just to try and keep growing and learning because, you know, it's, it's like a roller coaster which you're on and you kind of can't sort of sit around and expect things and, and have these kind of, sort of you know just expectations of like you can't be let's you can't sit on your your backside and expect things to become to you you've got to you know you've got to work i think you have to work in your professional life consistently and in your personal life and i think that's so just yeah not take things for granted i'd say is a pretty big one all right and then second one is what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path oh that's a good one don't do it no, um, <laughs> I've heard that so many times. Stay away! Don't do it. Um, I would say, be kinder to yourself. Um, know that uh, it's a journey. It's not like a. It's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It, although it does feel like a sprint most days, but it isn't. Uh, you can 
fail and that's fine. That's a big one because you learn a lot from failures. It's all very well like, you know, being successful shows and, and doing well and feeling on top of the world. But it's when the it's when you hit the, the lows and things aren't going so well, it's when you learn the most, I think, because then you it, it should make you appreciate everything else that's sort of around you and when things are good. Um, so I'd say one for me would be you know, be kinder to myself, maybe be uh, be more patient with myself as well. Um, I struggle with that. That's a that's a huge one to mm. be patient. But um, yeah, kind kindness and patience, okay. and, that, and, and that goes towards not giving it to people as well. To be to be that way with other people, to be more kind and to be more patient with other people around you as well, because everyone's on their journey and you know they're finding their way. You didn't know what happened to them this morning. That exactly. Caused them to be exactly. snippy. Yeah, whatever totally. it is. Yeah. Okay, so the final question is, if you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what oh would you God. see? Oh. I'll, give, I'll say two. One's Moulin Rouge, because just to see those people every day is, you know, it's a joy. Watching it or being in it? No, watch. No, I would like to watch it actually. That'd be nice to do, just to experience the, them all giving their wonderful selves. <laughs> I haven't had that opportunity yet. Um, but I'd probably say Sweeney Todd, maybe. Maybe Sweeney I Todd. I get a lot of Sweeney Todd. That is a popular one. I don't know. Sweeney Todd, maybe. I do like that show. Well, that's, you... why that's on my bucket list, though. So that's probably why. But yeah, let's go Moulin Rouge. Everyone come and see it. <laughs> well, we can find you on Instagram and Twitter at Tam Mutu. Yes. Um, you can find me at thetheaterpodcast.com. Support the podcast via thetheaterpodcast.com slash Patreon. I am on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast or facebook.com slash official theater podcast. Please leave a rating, leave a review. Tell your friends. This is edited by Matthew Hendershot. Thank you to Jukebox the Ghost for the intro and outro music. And Tam Mutu, thank you for being here. This Welcome. has been thank wonderful. You. Thank you so much for having me. Bless you. Take a deep breath, make the world a little colorful. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.